The Army is reviewing the safety of its military housing after a series of incidents last year. The Air Force finds it needs to do a better job of retaining the people who fix and maintain aircraft. All that and more from Scott Mossioni's DOD Personnel Notebook this week. And Scott joins me now in studio with more. Scott, let's start with the Army. They had some bad things happen in antiquated housing. They're doing a review right now of all their pre-1978 housing, mostly because of lead poisoning. Now, a lot of that uh, housing is private housing. The military made a big push to have privatized housing on their bases a while back, and so they've, they've mostly relied on the private sector for that. But it seems like the maintenance on that has not exactly stayed up to date, and uh, there's about a 1,000 children, according to a Reuters report, that had high lead levels within their blood. So they're now rethinking. And the there is, that, in fact, lead paint present in those buildings. Yes. And this is this was in Fort Benning. And then there were also a few other places, Fort Polk, uh, where there was a high lead in the non-military owned housing. At the so time. this is very old housing because lead paint was banned sometime in the 1970s altogether. That's right. So they have about 40,000 houses that they're currently inspecting. And that's going to cost close to $400 million to really inspect all of these. It's a lot of, uh, of work. But but what the Army is also doing is they're getting rid of their Q3 and Q4 housing by 2027. What does that mean? Q3 and Q4 are the most inadequate units that the Army has. And these are only for Army-owned units. This is not for privatized housing. And the Army still owns about about 10% of the, the housing on base is Army-owned. And, uh, so and is that mostly officers' quarters, or does that include housing where enlisted people would be? You know, it, it it's I think it runs the gambit at this point. The breakdown that they have is just the numbers of, of where the uh, adequacy is. So uh, about one-third, a little bit more than one-third of the houses are inadequate. So they're planning on demolishing those by 2026. I think the real question is, you know, what's the investment going to be for that? So Mark Esper, who's the Secretary of the Army, said he's going to start investing for the demolition, but how they're going going to move forward in uh, reinvesting this money and if it's going to go into privatized housing or back into uh, army-owned housing. So they have a problem with lead paint in the private housing, which they can't demolish because they don't own it. Right. They have to do something about cleaning up the lead paint or covering it or whatever. I don't know what they do about it. You know, they still, If you buy a house today that's five years old, you still have to have a lead paint inspection. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But for older houses, you know, there might be lead paint. And then they have to demolish their own housing that's not habitable, basically, is what they're saying in so many words. What are they going to do with the people in the meantime? Right. Well, you know, they've been relocating some people uh, that had the lead, lead paint, of course. Uh, but I think that they have – this is mostly people that are on base so that there's there's plenty of other options for people to go off base to get subsidized housing. I don't think that there's really that much of a shortage. It's just mostly the people that want to live on base are having to deal with these issues. And, uh, I mean, Mac Thornberry, who's the former House Armed Services Committee chairman, he's now the ranking member, you know, he said that when he visited a base Recently, it was leaking in the barracks, uh, you know, when, when it was raining, there's holes in the walls, things like that. You know, that's just not a, a, a place that you want people to be living in, especially when you're trying to convince young people to come and join the army. They don't want to be living in a place that's leaking and, and all that kind of stuff. So, And you're not meeting your recruitment goals as it is. Right. That's right. Last year, they did not meet those goals. So uh, it's it's something that I think the army has been uh, needing to, to deal with. And the installations is always sort of pushed back 
for readiness for the new biggest thing. And, and those installations, maintenance uh, budgets start to pile up and the backlog gets bigger and bigger each year. All right. So a change in policy and action they're going to get after housing then is the uh, is the underlying idea here that's the underlying idea and and by 2026 is the plan that they'll uh, they'll have this this demolition done it's something to look for this week today and also on Wednesday Congress is going to be holding hearings on privatized housing and also uh, uh, military housing so we're gonna maybe see some some forward motion in this story and find out a little bit more about what's going on we're speaking with Federal News Network Scott Massioni and turning to the Air Force, which has old airplanes. They <laughs> right. probably have old housing, too, but we know they have old airplanes. And therefore, they spend more time in maintenance than they do in the air. I mean, that's kind of commonly known. But they're having trouble with maintaining the maintainers. Right. Yeah. So uh, probably about two or three years ago, General Goldfein, who's the chief of staff of the Air Force, said that they were pretty low on maintainers, that they didn't have enough to fill the ranks, and therefore that's a lot harder to maintain your your aircraft. Well, they've finally made up that gap, and they're back to full strength on maintainers. The problem is, is that when you recruit all these people, they don't have the experience of the maintainers in the past that have been there for 20 years or so. So these uh, younger maintainers, there's a, now an experience gap. And uh, the, the, this experience gap isn't going to be made up anytime soon. You know, they're trying to kind of push people through with shortened courses, accelerated courses. But to have the people to oversee these kinds of, of projects, they need uh, more experienced maintainers. So uh, the GAO just recently came out with a report. That's the Government Accountability Office. And they said uh, that while the Air Force is trying to do these things to try to, and, and make their maintainers more skilled, they still have yet to come up with a strategic plan or anything like that to keep these maintainers on the payroll and to keep them in the Air Force for the years to come. So it sounds like they need some more work on their personal issues. I imagine if you're a pilot and you have a crew that supports the plane you fly – and that crew is including maintainers, and the maintainers are not that experienced, but they rushed through a course, I would have second thoughts about climbing into one of those planes and taking off knowing the maintainers rushed through their training and didn't have much experience. Right. Well, I think the the rush through the course is, is sort of a, a, a different way of putting it. I would call it more of an accelerated course in the sense that they pick out people who are, are exceptional in what they do, who maybe have experience in maintaining aircraft in the past, maybe in the private sector, and then put them on a course to becoming a you know higher leveled maintainer than someone who just got out of high school. Are maintainers civilians or are they uniformed? Or can they be either? They can be either, but they're mostly uniformed. Sometimes they'll have people come in from private companies like, uh, you know, Boeing or Lockheed Martin uh, to teach people specific parts of of certain planes or to work on a certain plane that um, has an an issue that's very uh, proprietary, let's say. But uh, mostly they're just, uh, they're, they're, airmen. And, uh, you know, they've been getting bonuses and things now because the the Air Force really wants people to sign up and to continue signing up and reenlisting. Because I would think if you have experience maintaining aircraft in the private sector, it might be kind of inspiring to go into the Air Force and take what you know into there. I mean, these planes have a lot in common with commercial planes. They have landing gear that comes down and goes up. They have a circuit to start the engine. The engines all work the same. I mean, basically, if you understand jet engines and the series of pipes and so forth that keeps them enabling them to start. I wonder if they thought about anything like that, kind of a 
reverse apprenticeship program? Right. Well, you know, I, I think that they're trying to open up a lot of the things. And, and the uh, most recent NDAA, the, the National Defense Authorization Act, gave the Defense Department and the military branches a lot of leeway when it comes to direct commissioning and giving bonuses, all that kind of fun stuff to try and uh, make this talent management system a little more flexible and bring in some of those talented people that they need. Federal News Network Scott Mossione, thanks so much. Thank you. Check out his notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. I love our birthday celebrations. My parents come over and we cook and then we bake cupcakes together. Our daughter is the cupcake decorator extraordinaire. Yeah, it's fun seeing my mom decorating with her. Too many cooks in this kitchen? Never. At Legacy Health, we know you'd rather be creating in the kitchen than seeing a doctor. But should you need care, routine, urgent, or specialty, we're here ready to keep you celebrating life your way. Legacy Health. Let's keep you healthy.